First Corinthians chapter one verse nine tells us so something so powerful. Say it with me again. I am called. I am called to fellowship, to fellowship with the Son. With the Son. So many people try to figure out their calling and won't fellowship with the Son. And the danger of that is that if the first time you're ever hearing what you've been assigned to do come from other people, it probably won't last. Amen. You probably won't do very well at it. Because what I've discovered is that when you have a sense of your assignment and, and your function within the body, and when you have a sense and a revelation of how it is you've been in, entrusted by God and endowed by God to impact the body, and when you fellowship with the Son and you discover that in fellowship, tell somebody, my calling will last. My calling will last. Because all of my assignments came from presence. It didn't come from a crowd. Whoa. Somebody shout, my assignments came from presence. Not a prophet. Not a prophet. And there's some of us right now, the reason that we are prophet dependent is because we were prophet initiated. And we don't understand that what I got, I got by presence. Y'all hear what I'm telling you right now? Yes. I, somebody shout, I was fellowship with God. And he revealed to me how I help. Y'all got that? Yeah. So many of us right now, the reason that we, we have no stick-to-itism, we call it stick-to-itism. Right. The reason some of us give up so easily is because these tags and these titles and all these things that we're carrying around, we got them from man. Now, I need to take note of this if you're taking notes. Look at somebody and tell them, you don't decide your purpose. You don't decide your purpose. You discover your purpose. You discover your purpose. In fellowship with the Son. That's the way the apostles got a sense and a revelation of their assignments and purpose. That's the way Paul got his calling, assignment, and purpose. That's the way those prophets of Old Testament and even prophets of New Testament, they had a revelation from the Son about how their lives we glorify him. Y'all got that? Amen. So today I want to talk with you called folk, anointed folk, appointed folk about doing the work that matters. Doing the work that matters. Now I see a lot of people that are truly called to ministry at various levels and various capacities, but they don't understand that you got, there's a, there's a, you know, it's sort of like a pretty coat that has no inner lining. Hello, somebody. And the moment you get a little acclimate, uh, inclement weather, then you got to take that thing off because it's pretty. Tell somebody it's pretty, it's pretty. but it has no lining. No oh, come on, somebody. It, it, it won't survive the change of weather. Y'all right. got that? Okay. And many of us trying to walk out callers that can't survive the change of circumstances. Oh. The moment one thing don't go the way you think it should have gone, you're ready to quit on your calling and quit on your assignment in God. You know, there are a lot of people that, that watch this now. They don't understand that if you've been trusted by God with a tremendous calling, anointed, or assignment, right? You can't be just like everybody else. Amen. There are rules for you that don't seem to apply to anybody else. Do I, do I have any witnesses of what I'm talking about today? Amen. Listen, I tell them I can't get away with half the stuff y'all be doing. Just some places I can't go. Amen. There's some stuff I can't be a part of. Watch it. I'm not saying it's not good. I'm just saying that it's not for me. And it doesn't align with my assignment. Somebody shout, wherever there's an assignment, there's a need for alignment. I want you to ask somebody, are you in alignment with your assignment? Do you even know what alignment looks like? Some of us been off course so long, we don't even know what alignment looks like. You know, it's sort of like when you get in somebody's car, and you can feel it listed to the right, and they've been driving it so long out of alignment, they don't even know it's out of alignment. But you try, you jump in for one minute, and you like, hey, you know your car is out of alignment, right? And they don't even know, they just driving. Y'all know what I'm saying? 
you're out of alignment. There are some people watching now. A good heart won't keep you from damage. There's a lot of good people wearing themselves out because they're simply out of alignment. Are you understanding what I'm saying, believers? Somebody shout, wherever there's an assignment, there must be alignment. Now, what I've discovered is that the nuances of alignment don't come in the crowd. Specifically, the Bible tells me I am called to fellowship with the Son. Uh -huh. I want to tell somebody relationship, relationship and fellowship are not the same ship. We are all sons and daughters of God, isn't that right? That's a relationship. We are not, we are not all as sensitive to God as we should be. Because that's a result of fellowship. Y'all know what I just said. And even though you have relationship, if you don't spend enough time in fellowship, then you won't be able to hear clearly the nuances and specifications of how it is you're going to glorify the sun with your life. Are oh, you understand what I'm saying, believers? And it should not be that you keep losing your ministry motivation. I said this is possible. Yes. I've been in the Lord Church 31 years. I don't know nothing about no church hurt. I'm too busy helping people to hurt. I don't know nothing about no rejection. Look, somebody tell me, if you reject me, tell somebody, if you reject me, I just go help somebody else. Tell somebody, I reject rejection. The people that I'm anointed for know they need me. I tell somebody, I ain't trying to help everybody. I'm not trying to help everybody. Now, here's something. You are not for everybody. You weren't made for everybody. There's some folks you can't help. You cannot help. Tell somebody, because they're not your assignment. You heard. Because you're trying to fit somewhere you never were supposed to fit. That's real. That's real. Oh, you understand what I'm saying? See, I'm called to a person. I'm called. 31 years in the Lord's church. I don't know about no church hurt. I love that apostle. I spent 31 years in the Lord's church. I've never been on the shelf not being used by God. I got born again in 1992, 22 years old. I was already, when I came into the body of Christ, I knew I was gifted to help the body. First six months, I was teaching and preaching the word of God. A year and a half later, I was ordained in ministry in the, in the, in the body of Christ. Y'all got, I was already a pastor. After two years in the church, I was already a pastor in the church. Y'all got that? I was an elder at 27 years old. Come on, somebody. I was assistant to the bishop at 29. I was over the elders at 29. Y'all know what I'm telling you? All these men were older than me, but age don't matter. Age it's about the assignment. But as I look back over this 31 years of walking with God, I don't, I don't know nothing about losing ministry motivation. Come on. All I know is I've been anointed by God to help God's people. And what I've discovered is as long as you stay compassionate, you'll remain anointed. That's why if you lose compassion, you will lose anointing. Y'all not. The Bible said, and Jesus was moved with compassion and he healed them all. So I thought, wherever there's compassion, there's an anointing. The problem with many of us is that you have shifted from compassion to tolerance. Y'all love God, people. You tolerate God's people. Oh, that's true. 
Your annoyances, tell somebody your annoyances can steal your compassion. And the problem with your annoyances stealing your compassion is that when your compassion goes, you can forget about the anointing because it is the compassion that is the blood flow that causes the erection that's called the anointing. I'm done. Y'all hear what I just said? That's good. The compassion is blood flow. The anointing is an erection. Right? 
because you have a wrong structure for what you're trying to do. Tell me, you put too much on you. I heard in worship, your season of too much being on you is over. That's what I heard in worship. Stand up. May the Spirit of the Lord liberate you, not just in ministry, but at home. Everywhere you go, people put too much on you. But you're, there's an anointing and a grace for you to just let stuff go so you so that you can move into what God is telling you to do specifically in this season. And nobody else will be laying their burdens on you and they're walking away as if it was yours. And no one will you be guilted into doing things you should not be doing because the Spirit of the Lord is upon your life to liberate you so you can move and assure in this next season in things that you are supposed to be moving. There are things that you got on the back burner that God said you got to pull to the front burner and you got to tell somebody, no, I'm not doing that stuff so no more. In Jesus' name. All right, y'all. Let me get back to this. Somebody shout out, call to a person. Amen. Y'all sit down. I got more messages to teach. I ain't done yet. I drove an hour and a half to get here. I will not be short. I saw that in worship. I saw that in worship. Some of y'all too nice to say no. But there are things that she's been putting on the back burner God wants her to do. And putting other things for other people on the front burner. And that season is over. It's over. Over, over. Amen. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Because yeah. it's over, over. Amen. Somebody shout, I'm called to a person. Number next, I'm called for a purpose. Where purpose is unknown, abuse is inevitable. That's why people abuse ministry and abuse people in ministry because they don't know the purpose of the assignments that God has given to them. Y'all got that? Tell somebody, your calling in God is not for your self esteem. Wow. That's why people have such a fit over crowds and all that. Because ego is in the crowd. Man, do you realize that it, when you're able to impact one life, and they go on to become Joyce Myers, they go on to become T.D. Jakes, and they go on to become, they go on to become Billy Grahams, and they go on, they just one, you don't, you never know who you're talking to. You never know. That's my philosophy. You never know what they're going to do with the deposit that you have made. Tell my maximize each ministry opportunity. Come on, tell my maximize each ministry opportunity. Why? Because you never know who you're dealing with. You never know the trajectory that's on their lives. You never know that one act of faithfulness on your part can un unlock something in their life that has been bottled up for years. One act of faithfulness on your part can unlock something that God wants them to move into this next season. And here's the good part. Everything they do as a result of your assignment, you are rewarded for too. Y'all hear what I just said? Somebody shout, I'm called for a purpose. Somebody shout, I'm called to a person that will require a process. Now watch this now. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. Let's go there, and I'm going to give you some keys on doing the work that matters as you endeavor to walk out your calling. Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for good, for good, for good, for good, for good. Tells my God's good and your good might not be the same good. Hello. That's real. There's some stuff God allowed. You look at it and say, this is not good. God's like, certainly it is. Why? Because this good thing that God allows is very painful, but it's a good pain. Because it'll produce in you what only God can produce through the things that God allows. So your good and God's good may not be the same good. Hello, somebody. For good to them that love God. Anybody love God? Amen. To them who are called according to his purpose. Say, I am called according to his purpose. That's why I never understood why people come to people asking people about their importance to anything. Oh, my God. Needing the affirmation of man constantly is an offense to the purpose of God. Y'all hear me? I just don't know what I fit in. Because you ain't a worshiper. <laughs> Ask somebody, what difference do you make? Ask your neighbor, neighbor. What difference do you make? Tell them you better have an answer. 
Why? Because if you don't have an answer for what difference you make, then you either gonna make a difference or make some devilish men, as old for you said. Okay. You making a difference or you making some devilish men. Right. Y'all got that? Got Wherever there's a void, the enemy will gladly fill it. Uh-huh. Hello, somebody. If you don't know the difference you make, the enemy can't waste can't wait to waste your time. Tie you up in stuff you should not be a part of. Why? Because you weren't using your time to make a difference. Everybody on the side of you should know what difference you make. You should endeavor to make that difference your life. Oh, come on, somebody. And you'll get up every single day. I've never lost motivation for ministry in 31 years of ministry. Why? Because I can't wait to be me. Listen, somebody tell them I'm excited. I'm excited to be me again tomorrow. Y'all got that? I know the difference that I make. Come on, somebody. I know, hello, somebody. I know that when I get up and put my feet on the ground, the devil, the demonic realm goes into red alert. Because my seven foot on planet Earth creates a whole situation. I'm not sitting around waiting on somebody to tell me how much I'm appreciated. Uh-huh. Hello, somebody. I know the difference that I make. And I know that I'm glorifying my Father. Amen. Y'all got that? Amen. So notice he said, we are called according to his purpose. Yeah. Tell somebody, that's the only thing that should motivate you. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I am fulfilling my Father's purpose. Uh-huh. What else you need? Think about it. What else you need? I was, I've recently been teaching about living an incredibly meaningful life. Anybody interested in that? Oh, yeah. All right. How I live an incredibly meaningful life. Number one, whatever you do should be beneficial to others. Amen. Watch this. This is the part preachers miss right here, Apostle. It should also be fulfilling to you. Here's the third thing. It should be glorifying to God. Now think about what I said. If what you're doing is beneficial to others, fulfilling to you, why would it be fulfilling? Because you're doing exactly what you were designed to do. Yeah. Right now, I am fulfilling the desires of the microphone. Amen. <laughs> this microphone could not wait to amplify my voice. <laughs> this microphone got all charged up. Y- y'all, y'all get that one This microphone got all charged up just to amplify my voice. Amen. You know what I know for a fact? This microphone will never get tired of magnifying my voice. Amen. Listen to me, I was made for this. Message is beneficial to you. It is simultaneously fulfilling to me while I am glorifying the Father. So you know what I'm living? An incredibly meaningful life. Incredibly Incredibly meaningful life. I I don't know nothing about depression. (laughs) These people around me, hey, when you ever seen me depressed? How long you been around me now? How long you been around me now, Tommy? Huh? How long, Daryl? 12 years, but y'all ever seen me depressed? Yeah, the goat, let's go encourage the pastor because he in low the ball where Cripple King's kids hang out. You ever had a, let's go, right? You ever seen me whining about not being honored, not being appreciated, not being validated? Right, I'm living an incredible. I'm living I am living an incredibly meaningful life. Amen. Y'all got that? Now, I want you to tell your, tell your neighbor, say neighbor. Neighbor. Perversion will never get you paid. But purpose always will. But purpose always will. When you're living in purpose, you can't help but prosper. Wow. That is the truth. That's true. Now, understand this about the prophetic, right? You pay for presumption. God pays for the prophetic. Thank you, sir. 
Tell somebody, just because you can don't mean you should. Hello. Don't let people egg you on out of God's help. Y'all got that? That's right. So my job is to understand what God's purpose is and walk in alignment with that purpose and be devoid of any interests of my own. Oh my God. Y'all got that? Look to people and tell them, I have nothing else to do with me. Y'all got that? I'm done with me. I'm, I'm done with me. You know, I'll, I'll give an example, right? Prayers, right? You know, in all these years of walking with God, you know, I've never prayed for a mortgage payment. Wow. I've never prayed for a car payment. I've never paid, for, uh, I prayed for God. I've never prayed for those things because the needs of an ambassador are always fully met by the government. That's him. I'm done. I'm done. I did it. I been married 32 years to one woman. That's not a cumulative total. That's one woman. Right? I got you. you know, she's never asked me in 32 years of marriage, how are we going to pay for this? Right. She never asked that because the needs of an ambassador and their family are completely covered by the government that sent them. Look, somebody tell them my mind is on governmental matters. Who am I Somebody shout, my job is to represent the king. So I have access to his assets. I have access to his assets. You understand that? When I tell you the power to get wealth has come on your life, I'm telling you as a person who have walked in wealth and prosperity for a really long time. And surely the things I've spoken over your life shall come to pass. They surely, everything will change. Now why? Because you're, I heard, you remember when, when God called through the angel and told uh, uh, Mary, you blessed and highly favored. She's like, huh? Me? Right? That's you. Huh? Me? God like, no, I found you faithful. And God knows he can get it through you. He knows he can get it through you. And that's why he's going to get it to you. Amen? Verse 29. For whom he did foreknew. Somebody shout foreknew. He did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. Somebody shout, that's the process. Now let me show you something, because this will take a whole lot of pain and, pain and anguish and frustration out of doing ministry. Everything goes on in the ministry is to make you like the son or reveal where you're not like him. Every single thing that goes on in the ministry and in your marriage will show you where you're like the son or reveal where you're not like it. Somebody shout, this is all about image. Now, hold on, hold on, not branding. Not branding, image. Those are two different agendas. We're in the branding, trying to look like something. Trying to make something out of what we look like. He's into image. Y'all did not know that. Are you like my son? Ask my yes or no. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, meekness, gentleness, goodness, faith, temperance. Against such, there is no law. Somebody saw image. All of this is like image. Your marriage is designed to make you like Christ and reveal him. The ministry is designed to make you like Christ. That's why the Bible said, till we all come to the fullness of the measure of the stature of the Christ. All of this is about making me like Christ. Y'all got that? And when you make it about something else, that's where the hurt comes in. That's right. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Come on, sorry. That's how you get hurt. Every time you get hurt in church, because you made it something God never intended for you. That's right. You, you walking up again. Every time you get hurt in church, it's because you made it something other than what God intended of it. Y'all got that? Amen. So say it with me. I'm supposed to grow supposed to in the grow. image of the sun. Dealing with my siblings. God is more interested, can you play well with others? Than what is your prophetic calling and assignment? See why we like to change the conversation to the nations? Because we can't deal with our pew. It's a distraction. We want to go all the way out there because we don't want to deal with nobody up in here. That's right. Oh my God. Change. Tell somebody change. change. It's always up close and personal. Hello. 
Change is always up close and personal. Y'all got that? You know what I've discovered in 30, 22 years of pastor of my church, 29 years of pastor, and 22 years of pastor of my church, and 32 years of being married, is that if, if you got the Holy Ghost and a wife, you can't help but be right. Come on, say that again. Tell my God, I'm gonna get you something. You got a Holy Ghost and a wife, oh, you're gonna be right. And a wife. So the wife says, now, what is that process? I want you to take note of this. Getting rid of everything in us that looks like the devil. Say it with me. I'm called to a person. I'm called for a purpose. I'm going through a process. John 14, 30. Hereafter, Jesus said, I will not talk much to you. For the prince of this world cometh, and watch this, he has nothing in me. Ain't nothing he can do with me. Ain't nothing in me like him. Ain't nothing he can do with this. He's got to watch me win the world. He's got to watch me win the world. Y'all got that? Ain't nothing he can do about it. Because he has nothing in me. You got that? So another, the work that matters. Somebody shout, I'm doing the work that matters. Anything in me like him, I've got to identify and eliminate. Y'all do not know what I just said. Identify and eliminate. Look, somebody tell them, fear is like him. Oh, fear. For the just shall live by faith. Tell somebody, faith is like God. Fear is like the enemy. Now, now why? Now why? Why? Because fear is rooted in a lie. And he is the father of lies. And the, and the son, what the, what the father birthed, is like the son. Which means fear is like him. So the work that matters is I got to get rid of all fear. So at least somebody tell them fear, fear. serves no purpose in the kingdom of God. None at all. Y'all got that? Fear not. Fear not. Right? God has not given us the spirit of what? But of what? Love and of power and of sound. So fear comes to steal or incapacitate your ability to just love. Fear makes you not make it about other people. Fear eventually steals your peace. Fear incapacitates you from walking in the power of God. Y'all got that? So doing the work that matters means, say, I'm I'm looking through my life for every trace of fear and eradicating. Fear makes you unuseful to God. That's why in Revelation, God says, outside are the fearful and unbelieving. God said, if you walk in fear, doubt, and unbelief, you don't even have a future place with me. Absolutely. Y'all got that? So let's talk about doing the work that matters. Let's get into my message. Doing the work that matters before walking out your calling. Number one, we need to rid ourselves of ego. Somebody shout, ego Ego. has to go. go. What do you mean by that? Everywhere that I made my ministry about me, I've got to get rid of it. Everywhere I've attached my ministry to my self-esteem. Wow, wow, that's the go. We gotta get rid of that. Hello, somebody. Y'all got that? You know the problem with many people that are in ministry? You don't have a life. Oh, God. Look at two people and tell them ministry is not my life. Christ is my life. Am I in the Bible? When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall we appear unto him in glory. Am I in the Bible? The Bible says Christ is my life. Ministry is not my life. Ministry is what I get to do to benefit the body of Christ in this season of my life. But ministry is not my life. Y'all got that? Tells me, get you some friends that have nothing to do with your ministry. Sadly, church people don't have no friends. Hello, somebody. They don't have a life. Where you going? To church. Right? To church. To church. To church. All right. That's that's good. Actually, but is that all? No. Get a life. 
get a life, get a whole life. Rid yourself of ego. Number two, develop an orientation of servitude. Somebody shout, I'm just here to help. I told my leaders this and I've taught this for many years. This is how you keep from getting your little self hurt in church, right? It's pretty simple. I'm just here to help. If you don't want to have my help, I'm just going to go and help somebody else. Ask somebody, how hard is that? And you know what gets me? You can have 20 people love you to pieces, but oh, let one person not. How do one person, how do one person get your whole attention? Now, write this down. Whatever gets your attention governs your life. Whatever gets your attention governs your life. And that's why you can have 20 people love you to pieces, but she didn't speak to me. So? Well, she don't, she don't like me. Tell my, I like me enough for both of us. I like myself so much, you liking me never even came up on the radar. If I took a test, it wouldn't show up in the numbers. Y'all got that? Somebody shout, I'm a servant. No matter what my title is. Number three, prepare your soul for war. That's the word that matters. I'm called, yeah, but you're not weatherproof. Come on. I'm called, yeah, but you're not bulletproof. Come on. You can't take a hit. You can't take, you haven't built the kind of emotional resolve. Say, building emotional resolve is my responsibility. Me being called and anointed is God's responsibility. But building emotional resolve, that's my responsibility. I got to build a person God keep using. I have to build a person God can keep using. All right, scriptures. Building yourself up in your most holy faith. Am I the word? Say, I'm responsible for building myself up. Myself is my soul. My spirit is who I am. My soul is who I think I am. I've got to build up who I think I am. Y'all got that? Number four, you got to do the dirty work of deliverance. Look at somebody tell me, you need deliverance. And that's not a bad word. That's a good result. You know what I love about our church is that we have destigmatized people going through deliverance. Got a lot of folk. We wear out deliverance team ministers. Like, everybody want to get delivered. Because we took the, the stigma out of it. Y'all got that? Leaders going through deliverance. Yep. Leaders have issues they need to get delivered from too. But we need, watch this now. We need to do the dirty work of deliverance. Y'all got that? All right. So there are many of us right now, your gifting will deceive you into thinking you don't need deliverances. Deliverance is dirty work. Why? Because you got to mess up your family to get free sometimes. Deliverance have you talking about stuff mama ain't ready to deal with. What you said? You might get your whole family mad at you trying to get free. Yes. Like Eminem said, I'm sorry, mama. I never meant to make you cry, but tonight I'm cleaning out my closet. Don't be covering up stuff you need to be delivered from. Hello, somebody. Singing over trauma. Hello, somebody. No matter how much you praise over trauma, it will still be there. Unresolved issues buried alive never die. Tell somebody, getting old don't mean you getting better. Tell somebody, getting old don't mean you getting better. They live to represent themselves in future scenarios. Yes. The same issue going to show up in your third marriage. And your fourth church. And your fifth job. So we got to do the dirty work of getting deliverance. Y'all got that? But in order to, to go toward deliverance, you got to admit. Look somebody tell them, I'm not all right. Now that's a part of me you don't want. And that's the part I don't want either. Number next, 
strengthen your relationships with others. Come on, tell somebody, strengthen your relationships with others. This is the work. Listen, this is the work that matters. Okay? When you start taking hits, you need relationship. Who am I talking to? Hello, somebody. When you start taking hits in life, you need somebody whose motives you don't have to question. And that is built through relationship. You need somebody you know really got a prayer life. That's right. Somebody strengthen your relationship. You know why the devil is always fighting your marriage? Because that's the one person God gave you who's supposed to always be able to be in agreement with you. Yes. Good God of Because if any two on earth hey, shall agree as touching anything. Anything. So we attack that. Wait a minute. Anything. Wait. Anything? Is that what the Bible said? The Bible said anything. So when you got married, God gave you, watch this now, an inborn agreement part. God gave you somebody that's in perfect agreement with both of you. Right. That's why the enemy always trying to bring division in marriages That's because right. in marriage there's supposed to be perfect agreement. That's right. Which is the means to get anything. Get, oh God. Perfect agreement between two parties is the means to get anything God got. Wow. Hello, somebody. But it's it's hard to be in agreement with somebody you're annoyed with. That's right. Because right. your annoyance can stand in the way of your willingness to be in agreement. Oh, it's hard to be in agreement with somebody when you regurgitate their faults and you oh, point blame. When you point blames and try to make yourself look better than them. Oh, it's hard to be in agreement. Oh, we can pray, but we can't really agree. Tell somebody agreement is on a deeper level. Agreement is on a deeper level. I believe God so much, I'm not even willing to look at what you offended me in. I refuse to retain anything keep me from agreement. Come on, somebody. Y'all got that? So what makes agreement powerful? You ready for it? Love. Love. Love makes agreement powerful. When you agree with someone you love and who loves you, everything in heaven is available to you. Y'all not hear what I just said. Every, everything in, oh my God. Every asset of the kingdom is available to perfect, listen, to perfected love when it comes into agreement with perfected love. Perfected love. Now, what is perfected love? Love without fear. Love without fear. Love without selfishness is perfected love. Love without an agenda. Love because God is love is perfected love. Why do you operate like, because God is love? Y'all see that? Why do you love? Because God is love. No other reason. No other reason. Y'all got that? Strength, tell my strengthen your relationships. See, that's the work that matters to your calling. Number next, refine your orientation. Refine your orientation. Why you do what you do matters just as much as what you do. Y'all got that? What does it mean to you to be in ministry? What does it mean to you to be in marriage? What does it mean to you? So many people talk about being a multi-millionaire. Well, what will that mean to you? Y'all got that? What will it mean to you? Is it for ego or is it for purpose? Do you have a purpose beyond prosperity? Or is this all about your comeuppance? Listen to me. Listen to what I'm telling you right now. God has given me everything a man could want in life. Everything. Everything. You hear what I'm telling you? Now, but I understand the purpose for my prosperity. Hiya. I, oh, I understand the purpose of it. Say it with me. If God can get it through me, God has no problem giving it to me. You got to be connected to an agenda bigger than yourself. Your prayers ought to be bigger than your house. Come on, ask your neighbor, are your prayers bigger than your house? Come on, ask your neighbor, are your prayers bigger than your house? Hebrews said, the lesser is blessed by the greater. The lesser is blessed by the greater. So what are my prayers? My prayers, really, my prayers are now thanksgiving. So now thanksgiving. So now 
My prayers of thanksgiving. Lord, thank you for $500 million to build Manifestation City, a place of transition for all people. Jobs, housing, education, spiritual training and development. Thank you for empowering me to shift the economics of this entire region. Thank you for making me the lending center where people come to fund their churches. Thank you. My prayers are about the kingdom. They're not about my house. My prayers are about the kingdom. They're not about my house. Y'all got that? The, the needs. I assume the lesser is blessed by the greater. Say my house is the lesser. God's word is the greater. The lesser is blessed by the greater. Talk about this in the office. About how Solomon spent all those years building God's house. Listen to this, y'all. And then Solomon built his house. Then he built He built God's house. Say God's house. And then he built his house. This is what I'm telling you right now. When you build God's house and advance God's kingdom, God, it, God causes the plans for your house to be accelerated when you get in the building process. But you gotta prioritize God's house. Somebody shout God's house, God's house and my house. And my house. The lesser is blessed by the greater. You understand that? So the blessing on my house, hey my God, the blessing on my house comes from being a blessing to God's house and to the advancement of God's work. That's the priority and that's the order. Y'all got that? Number seven, entering his rest before you work. Tell somebody rest before you work. And what do you mean by that? I'm talking about losing all anxieties, getting out of the rat race. You know, you know, Apostle, that whole trajectory in Christianity where you slide up and you can become one of the prominent people and be known everywhere and all that, I've had that route. I've, I've seen a clear path. I've been connected to the people, and I've decided not to take my, my, my goal on the high road. Yeah. Come on. That's true. I've decided that ain't for me. Becoming, I'm not trying to become a prominent individual figure within Christianity. I, I know that route. I know the people in that circle. That ain't for me. Hello, somebody. That's not for me. We need to enter into the rest as we enter into the work and lose anxiety and lose ambitions that have nothing to do with actually fulfilling your calling and your assignment. That's right. Trying to become among the who's who's. Among nobodies. You understand that? Get rid of that. Number eight, develop a winning routine. Tell somebody you need a rhythm. See, a lot of believers have no rhythm in life. There's no rhythm. There's no flow. What do you do always? What do you do? Actually, neighbor, what do you always do? Uh, you know, for some of us, the problem is there's nothing you always do. And if, if there is nothing you always do, you have no rhythm. Y'all got that? You have no rhythm. So a lot of times your rhythm is in a routine. Ask somebody, what's your routine? If you don't have a routine, typically you have a rut. A rut is just short of a routine. Check out the letters. A rut is just short of a routine. Here's the next thing. You need a circle of accountability. Tell somebody, do the work that matters. Ask somebody, who checks you on your non-performance? Hello? Who checks you on your non-performance? Hey, who gets to ask you, hey, you said you were writing a book, what chapter you on? Nobody. If you hate accountability, you despise progress. If you hate accountability, you despise pro pro progress. Y'all got that? Who gets to ask you, hey, how much you weigh now? Because you look a little chunky. You told me you're trying to lose weight. Hey, that dress made you way worse than it was last month. Who gets, to, who gets to hold you accountable to your goals? Y'all yes. looking like nobody. Yes, nobody. If you despise accountability, you hate progress. Yes. Girl, where you at? You looking fluffy this month. Who get, ask somebody, hello? Uh, why is accountability so important? Tell somebody, whatever you do anywhere, you can do everywhere. That's why it's so important. Whatever you do, if you can become disciplined with your health, you can become disciplined in every other area of your life. With your health. <clears throat> Y'all got that? Amen. If you can get your high blood pressure down, you can get your income up. Oh. Oh. 
Say it with me. Discipline is discipline. Wherever discipline is required. Let me show you something. The problem with many of us in the body of Christ, you don't want nobody's accountability. All right, what does it sound? I don't want folk all up in my business. Your business is failing. It's failing because of the absence of accountability. Y'all got that? Let me tell you how you really want. How many of y'all want to make progress in life? Hello? All right, I'm going to tell you. All right, guys, real quick, I'm going to tell you how to make progress. This month, this month, 4 November is out. Okay? Tell somebody what you plan on doing, your goal, whatever your goals are. Tell somebody. Somebody you know going to ask you about. Tell them what you plan on doing. Okay? And give them the latitude to come back and ask you how you're doing. And if you haven't done something toward what you said, they're going to give you consequences for not doing so. Come on. Show you what it look like. So let's say I want to save $1,000, and I just want to start putting away $50 a week. So now, two weeks from now, you come back to us and say, hey, where you at towards your goal? Oh, man, I slipped up. I did sell, right? All right. So you get to tell her, okay, so you need to come to my house and wash all my clothes. <laughs> And you gotta do it. See how y'all look? That's accountability. Right. That's the consequences. If you knew there were consequences okay. to not okay. making progress, okay. you would make sure you made progress. Tell me, that's what real accountability looks like. Real accountability, you give the latitude to give you consequences if you don't make progress. Hello, somebody. If you haven't lost five pounds in the next month, you got to pay for my lunch for the next week. Now, here's the last key. Get in the habit, get in the habit of testing your own motives. The work that matters. The work that matters. Get in the habit of testing your own motives. Wow. Now, why did I just say that? Now, what? What I I just felt some. Why did I feel that way? I did all this, but why did I really do that? Yeah. So that I said this, but what did I want? Right? If we really want to do the work that matters, you have to get into the habit of checking. Tell somebody check yourself. Why? Because if we want to maintain a heart that's congruent with God's heart, we have to get in the habit of checking our motives. I did all that, but what did I really want out of that? And if, if my heart was truly sincere, then why did I get mad when I didn't get what I expected? Stand your feet if you would. Father, we thank you that you have called us, you've assigned us, you've appointed us, and you've anointed us. Today you've given us the tools to do the work that matters. We ask in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that you'll help each one of us to be more circumspect in our living. We don't want to run in vain, neither do we want to live amiss. We want to live powerful and purposeful lives.